Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. Join us here every Saturday night at 8 o'clock or listen to our podcast anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, just to name a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. Terrence Perschel lives in one of the most beautiful places on earth, the central California coast near Carmel in Monterey. It's no wonder he's inspired, but truth be told, writing has always been his passion. He's written a couple of books for page publishing under the umbrella of our Reader House family, and today we're talking about The Soap Maker. So uh, you have a couple of teachers to thank, don't you? Well, my fr- yeah, my first two teachers inspired me, and then actually I've, I've, I've read since I was 10 years old. I started with the Hardy Boy books and Tom Swift and anything, you know, that triggered the imagination. You travel mentally. So, you know, through books, you know, and right. it was such it was such a great thing. It was like, you know, and so I've always I've always read. I've been an avid reader and, you know, and then and then, you know, for years in, in Santa Cruz, I had some friends that were very, very tuned in to the literary world and turned me on to some really, really good authors. You know, before that, I read, you know, Steinbeck and Louis Lamore, you know, novels like that. And then um, I guess some of my bigger influences were Jim Harrison, James Lee Burke. I mean, if I could write like James Lee Burke, I'd be one of the happiest guys <laughs> in the world. Get in line. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Wilbur Smith, you know, he tells, you know, some incredible, you know, adventure stories. I've read everything he's, he's written. And plus, I mean, plus all the other, you know, commercial writers and what have you. And, and, you know, I try to decide, well, do I want to really, you know, try to be, you know, the uh, artistic writer like Burke or, or, or someone who tells a good story. I, I just decided that, you know, good stories are better and good stories are always better than a good lecture. Well, you know, what finally made you pull the trigger and say, I'm going to publish a book and I'm going to write about this. Uh, it was probably about 15 years ago. I, you know, I just said, you know, I had, I had all these stories in my mind. I mean, you know, I'd, uh, I guess I can credit that to a, a good imagination through my childhood. And, you know, and, and every time I saw a situation, I, you know, I would make up a story. And, you know, like, I, I, again, I was a media major, so I saw a lot of movies in college and, and studied that and studied the anatomy of a story and, and, and how entertaining it was and how, you know, fulfilling it, you know, some of these stories were. And um, it was my first, the first three books, it was a trilogy that I wrote. And um, it's called, the first one was called Feet of the Nevis. And I kind of had the idea, I was walking with my little daughter, I mean, many, many years ago in Santa Cruz, and we're at the cliff, cliffside looking down at, at the ocean. And there were these rocks down there, these rock shelves, where the surface, you know, crashing over and, and receding and see the white water and all that and there are two rocks that look like feet and uh so i just had i, I kind of made up the story of you know like this this guy that you know this bad guy that was uh you know alert you know turned to stone whenever he came in contact with salt water and, and that's what happened that's what, and all that was left of him was his feet now you know the footprints oh. and so and so i just developed the story from there and you know as you write everything takes on a life of its own and um, so that turned into a trilogy, Feet of the Nevis, Sun's Journey, and Migration. And basically it was, you know, just a, a fantasy. It was a story about uh, a society or a group of people that who, who'd killed their planet and a group of scientists and bright minds got together and 
they built 10 spaceships and then fired, you know, sent them off into they sent probes off into, into the universe and found a, a suitable planet that they could all migrate to, and which was Earth. And there, that was my first three, you know, before I wrote The Soap Maker. This is the fourth. Yeah, I've got, I'm working on my sixth. I've got another one I haven't sent into them yet. Oh my um, gosh, you are something else. But you, you take a completely different turn. Now you're, now we're talking about World War II and. Oh yeah. It sounds like a, it sounds like historical fiction. Is that what it, the soap maker it is. is? It is. I, you know, and I've always had this affinity for nice soap, you know, and, and, you know, I was just thinking about the shower one day. I went, oh, I mean, but I could write a story about a guy that makes soap. And, you know, so I said it in France uh, for, you know, 1939 with kids 12 years old. And and he he um, and it takes him through his life, basically. And. You know, he goes through the war years and he, he's he's on a small farm in the south of France near uh, the town of Toulouse and St. Sulpice. And uh, they they farm and, you know, they have you know, dairy and, and, you know, what have you. And he and his father, Luke, and his mother, Lily, and Lily is in this. And then the the Nazis invade and they form the two governments, the, you know, the, the occupied northern france and then the vichy government in southern france and, and, and you know and it goes and it goes from there and his mother gets killed by the vichy and then the father eventually gets killed but he he meets he meets uh oh his grandfather is the soap maker uh and he went through world war one and uh then he meets uh, then the, when the nazis fully occupy france he he's coming home from delivering soap and what the grandfather was started doing they formed he started working with the resistance and started passing messages in his bars of soap to the resistance workers so uh-huh. yeah, so he, that... he drilled little, little holes and slipped the messages inside the soap and wrapped them up and he had uh anton the boy the main character in the book deliver these soaps to you know as well as you know everybody else but he had special bars of soap he delivered to certain addresses where the resist resistance fighters lived so Wow, there was a lot of that going on in, during the war. Yeah. De- decoding messages, passing messages through all yeah. kinds well, of Yeah, well, yeah, it was the safest way of, of you know doing it without you know really getting caught and and then he meets this young woman who's who's trying to flee France or who the Nazis had killed her parents and they were, were newspaper uh, publishers in Paris and she was and he meets her one night when he's home coming home from delivering soap and he's out after curfew and he almost get caught by the Germans and she's hiding under a bush and she you know, calls to him and he hides and then he takes her back to the farm. And so they fall in love and she's beautiful. And, you know, over the four years that, you know, the ensuing four years, and then um, he is she is kidnapped by a Nazi major who's been stopping by the farm over the years to get supplies and taking to Paris when the allies invade. And then his father is killed at that time. And then his grandfather has a stroke and he dies. So he loses everything. So, but he meets, you know, his grandfather's lady friend uh, helps, helps Anton. And it turns out that her son is one of the leaders of the resistance. He used to work with his father. So he ends up deciding to go to Paris to find her. And and on the way he goes through Bordeaux and he meets, he gets hooked up with the resistance and becomes a resistance fighter and then becomes attached to a army ranger unit up in Nantes. And then he's one of the first guys to go into Paris when they when the Allies invade and liberate Paris. Wow. And then his girlfriend, in the meantime, 
uh, she, you know, she was billeted with all the women that the Nazis keep for their entertainment. And she finds out she's pregnant. And then the woman that's in charge of helping her used to work for Coco Chanel. And these, you know, so she kind of is like the madam there. And she takes care of all the girls. She escapes, she escapes with Marie, the, the other main character. And um, she's part of the high fashion industry. So they flee to the coast and there's an accident. And Marie's knocked out. And she ends up on a hospital ship on the way to New York with Cecile, her, her other friend. And she ends up in the high fashion industry in New York in the fifties and becomes a, you know, front page model. And then he ends up going over after he can't find her in Paris. He thinks he's lost her forever. He ends up over in New Jersey with his sergeant or a lieutenant that he served under who sponsors him to come over. And then he ends up in California going to Berkeley and then ends up owning a nursery in Sonoma. And uh, 10 years later, he sees a picture of Marie in a fashion spread in Life magazine and realizes it's her and flies back to New York to try to find her. And she's in alcoholic rehab. And then, oh no. And then she oh. can't, you know, so he leaves her a note and she doesn't get it right away when she checks out six months later. And then the girl, the, the receptionist that had the letter was on vacation. She takes a letter to Marie in New York after Marie's dried out, you know, and, um, he reads it and can't believe that it's Anton and Anton's in his nursery one day. Um, and someone knocks on the door. He goes to the door and it's Marie. She oh. goes up, she finds him. I have chills, man. Oh, and then the other, the other element in this was the major, the, the Nazi major ended up escaping through the rat lines through the Vatican and, and you know, the, the church ends up in Argentina uh, with the family money owns a big estate. She runs into she runs into him at a, at a cocktail party in New York because he's un, under another name. He's man, he's manufacturing clothes and stuff in in Argentina for these New York businesses. And she sees him and, and she you know, tries to get him arrested for war crimes. And uh, he flees. So Anton ends up after after they he and Marie reconnect and she ends up moving back there and they get married and so on and so forth. Um, Anton contacts his two buddies from the resistance and they end up going down to uh, Chile and then driving over into Argentina. And uh, there's a, a meeting twice a year where all these old Nazis get together up in uh, a little town up in the Andes. And, um, and they end up, you know, killing this Krauss, getting him. Wow. And wow. then comes back. So, did you do a lot of research for this book? Yeah, I, I did. I, you know, I researched for probably two two months, and and, and and as I wrote, you know, and you know, as you write, things develop, and your characters take on, you know, and the storyline. You know, I always outline my storylines, and then <laughs> they always change. So yeah, you know, everybody tells me that. Everybody says the same thing. They end up back in France. He ends up, you know, develop making he was making soap. His his grandfather gave him his old notebook, giving him all his old soap recipes, um, and he decides he's going to start making soap at the nursery. So he does and starts selling bars on the side, and then becomes very successful. And Marie knows, has all the contacts for the fashion industry back in New York, so she goes back there and 
it develops into a multi multi million dollar business. So oh. that's how the the book opens up. He's in his attorney's office and he's selling the he's selling his company for two hundred fifty million dollars. Wow, so, I love and, it, yeah. Terrence. Wow, yeah. So now you are moving on and you're going to keep writing. You're you you, oh, you yeah. have two more books now coming. I've got out. a western. I've got a western. I'm about three quarters through right now. I'm writing. So. Are you doing this just for fun? Like, do you try to market your books at all? Well, I'm marketing a little bit. I'm mean, I'm starting to. Like I said, if I could make if I could make some money and a decent living, you know, as as I retire, it'd be it'd be great. <laughs> right, be, right. I'm, it, but I mean, you're a storyteller. I'm sure you're great. You know, in front of a group of people talking about your process and talking about your research and talking about how you came up with your characters, who they're based on. Like you, you seem to be that kind of a guy. Sometimes, yeah. I, you know, like I've always said, like a good story is better than a good lecture. I mean, my first three books really had a, a heavy uh, message about the environment, overpopulation, uh, you know, and and how we've, you know. How, how people burn through the the resources that they've been given, you know, right, and, and use them foolishly, and um, you know, but there's always a romantic element too in most of my books too. There's always relationships and, and romance, so I think that's important. But do you go out and talk about them? To tell you the truth, I just kind of had my head down trying to, you know, uh, start writing, you know, all these stories out that are in my head, you know, like right. I, the book I haven't submitted is called The Treasure of Joaquin, and it's about a 11 year old boy who finds that buried treasure that Joaquin Murrieta buried in, in the foothills of, uh, outside of Monterey. You know, I mean, the first three were like my, you know, my launch into the literary world. And this, you know, I said, okay, just you put it out there like any artist, you know, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta put it out there. And, and I was, I was happy enough with those three and the soap maker, I think, you know, really was a, a giant step up. Uh, as far as my writing and, and everything else, I learned a lot doing the first three, and then this is, was the culmination of that. And yeah, so if somebody asked me to speak at their book club after they finished reading the book, so I'll probably do that. And I really haven't started marketing. You know, like I said, I, I've been more uh, more focused on guess, writing. More yeah on writing. Yeah, it's kind of a self indulgent thing, but you know, it's it's the art part of me that's you know more interested in than the business part i guess yeah so yeah well that's true for a lot of artists uh, right I, and i and i figure the business if they're good enough the business part will come along yeah you know so i know how i find authors and stuff i read there's one book i read for them of them that i really like and then i'll go out and start buying the rest of their stuff their right. you know their book right me too and so yep. you know yeah. so you know, somebody will pick up one of my books and like it, and then they'll start buying the other stuff. So, you know, <laughs> right there, you're too much. Plus, you're still doing the real estate. You're you're not exactly. Well, you know, we've got a, I've got a property management company. We do very high end vacation rentals for you know. We've dealt with a lot of you know, like Blake Shelton, Gwen Stefani, and Kelly Clarkson, and Meryl Streep, and Nicole Kidman, and you know, people like that. Nice that have come up. You know, and they, they'll come up and rent these homes that we we manage and get out of town. So keeps you keeps you off the streets, right? Oh yeah. All right. Well, listen, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You're a good storyteller. Thank you. You too. All righty. Sarah Schultz writes manuscripts and other things while her son is in school and has only ever written for fun. So, what made you take the leap and publish your first book, Found? Ah. Uh... You know, I I don't really know. Um, I think it was just a just a thing. Um, 
well, I originally came across this really, really tragic article in, in the news, and I wanted to give it a happy ending. And so I did, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, I, I think I just took the leap to publish it just so that the story could have a happy ending. What kind of stuff do you normally write? Uh, just everything. Okay. Everything. So this one was a news story. What was the news story? Uh, it had to do with uh, human trafficking. Oh. Yeah. In was, Wisconsin? Was, no, no. It. Um, oh, goodness. I can't remember where the original story took place. But, you know, after I saw that one, then, and it, that one really grabbed my attention, then, you know, you can't just stop seeing stories like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're everywhere and it's really horrible. And uh, yeah, I I wanted to give them a happy ending. Oh, there's just there's not enough happy endings. There's not enough success stories. Yeah. So what's your story? It's a the hero of the story actually finds a girl in a really really terrible situation and he rescues her from it and it's uh it's her her struggle back to you know mental health and um you know they end up falling in love and uh so so that's the happy ending (laughs) it's like um pretty woman with julia roberts oh right right yeah (laughs) So do you talk at all about trafficking, where this woman came from? So she she traveled with her mother. Her mother was invited, uh, offered a job, and turns out it was at, like, this commune. And, uh, and, then, and then she was stuck, and she just couldn't get away. Her mother took a job at a commune. Yeah, yeah. Well, lied to. Mother was lied to about a job, and it. Uh, and then you know, of course, she was just a child, so she she was stuck. She couldn't get away. So they got into this commune. Is this is this the real part of the story? No. Um, well, that was uh, that was kind of a real part of another story that I read. Yeah, I obviously I changed a lot. But that those commune type situations, the mind control situations. Is that right. What you're yeah. Yeah. Does she somehow escape? Well, he the the guy running this is um, he's he's just a con man. You know, he's just your, you know, real, real slick, real slippery kind of guy who has everybody fooled. And uh, um, the hero of the story uh, kind of finds out about him and is trying to kind of stop what he's doing. And uh, and that's when he discovers what this guy is doing. And um, and he's and he just he sees the girl and he just he just can't he just can't leave her there, you know, to just continue being a victim. So he just, he rescues her and, uh, you know, just kind of helps her back to life. Is she young when he finds her? Uh, yeah, like, 
um, mid-twenties. The name of your book is Found, One Dangerous Psychopath and More. Well, that was the, the One Dangerous Psychopath and More was supposed to be the hook line on the back. So the, the title is Found. Who's the one dangerous psychopath? Uh, he would be he would be the con man that um, started this group. Yeah. Did you ever notice that the people who start these groups are always con men? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think, well, I think they'd have to be. I mean, the honest, you know, upstanding guys really wouldn't do something like that anyways, right? Right, I guess. There's something about it. Like, I mean, going back, going way back in like, um, you know, the Branch Davidian in, in Texas. Yes. You know, he was... Uh, David Koresh. He was kind... Yeah, that's his name. He was, uh, he was a real religious, I guess... Fanatic. Fanatic. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah there there has to be something going on. I mean, I, I can't say that a lot of people that really have it together all the way would do that. You and know? yet, and yet we follow them. Yeah, it, yeah, easily. And a lot. Um, yeah, like, well, in, in his case, he had a Bible, right? And, and, you know, that's all, that's all he needed. It's, and your guy has a commune. Is there a religious component? He uses it. Yeah. Yeah. He uses it and he twists things and turns things to, you know, suit his needs. Right. But when I think of human trafficking, I think of the women who pay to get out of a bad situation like in China or in South America, and they're brought oh, over on boats, and right. they're brought over, you know, in the hulls of ships. They're hidden, you know, and then they ha they they have to work right. at like nail salons or massage parlors, and they have to pay somebody uh, that I guess feeds them and gives them a place to sleep, and they basically end up prostituting them. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So where does your where do you go from here? Um, I'm not done writing. I think now I'm now I'm kind of hooked. I I like it. It's fun. So I think I'm just gonna continue. Did you have a good experience with your publisher? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I really did. I I uh, the lady I worked with was absolutely fabulous. She made it so easy. So uh, yeah, I'm hooked. I'm just gonna keep going. You doing anything to market your book? I'm so scared of that kind of thing. Um, I've never done any of it before. I don't know where to start. I don't know who to talk to. Um, I'm kind of shy about it. So you are honestly the first person I've actually told anything about my book. I haven't even told my family what it's about <laughs> you haven't told your family about your book <laughs> well, they know they know that i have a book they just don't know what it's about you know i'm just i don't want to talk i'm so scared of it you know i'm i'm not i'm not outgoing at all so um <laughs> so standing up in front of a room full of people not happening i can talk about other things in front of a room full of people just not about my stuff oh you know what i mean <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe you should try it with a group of family and friends. Maybe you could talk about your process, your writing, you know, being an author, getting your first book published, and then talking about what it's about. And, you know, you'd go in front of, you know, gather some friends and people who love you together. Don't just go out and, you know. But I mean, people... Right. Because <laughs> right? um, spring is coming. A lot of people go to book fairs and they go to, like, county fairs and they get a table, you know, and they set up their book and people come by. Other people are more comfortable in a library situation and they invite friends and family and... They just talk about the process and and then maybe read a little bit from their book. But I mean, if you're really shy, and then there's also social media, right? Right. Facebook, yeah. which you said you have a child. How old's your child? He's 14. Perfect. He knows how to use social media. Yes. <laughs> Tell him you need him to help you get your book out there. You want it on Instagram, Facebook. You could like write a nice description right? Then then you're like on social media. Right. And then he can help, help you maybe find other author groups or other, you know, there are other authors out there, you know, that exchange ideas. And there's probably some in your community you don't even know about. Probably. Yeah. That helps to, to, to go amongst people that have also written and might be shy and talk to them about what they're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's just a matter of taking that first step. I know, it's so scary, right? But what else are you what doing? What else? You're right. <laughs> what else are you doing? I mean, really. Your, your kid is 14. He's got to be gone in like four years. That's yeah. it. Going to college. Yeah. Right? What are you going to do then? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. You got it. And you enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Angela J. Price took the day off from school to talk about her book, Dancing with Time. You're glad you took the day off, right? I am. I'm getting writing done, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> yes, I do. What do you teach? I teach English. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> to, uh, how old? How old are the kids? They're high school. They're sophomores. Oh, great. Okay, so that's good. I bet you get a lot of creative energy from them, don't you? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Depends on the day and sometimes hour with them. Yeah. So have you been writing then all of your life? or? Uh, I've always like liked writing since I was young. I've always had an imaginative mind. Um, but I probably really didn't sit down to start truly trying to write something until like I could actually like figure out how to write something. Decent. <laughs> so what made you decide to publish a book? It's a dream. It was a dream come true for me. It was something I always wanted. That was the dream to be a published author. And what, how were you able to make it come true now and not before? Uh, but this time it came to money, like trying, making sure I had the financial uh, ability to like make it go through the editing process and everything like that. Did you have an idea you just had to get out of your head or? Um, the idea was something I had that came to me when I was in the shower, when I was in high school. <laughs> okay. I take it that was a little while ago or? Yes, that was a little while ago. Um, in the shower. In the shower. The best ideas come to me in the shower. What can I say? You're relaxed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I got the idea in the shower and then, and I immediately started working on it and it, 
was one of the first stories that I attempted that got through like beyond chapter four. <laughs> oh, okay. And so I wrote it for a while when I was in high school and then I took a break from it. Okay. Um, and then of course went to college and I worked on other things. Um, but then I, at 26, I circled right back around to this story. Um, and I finished it. I just kind of had this idea about this girl and probably because I was around the same, I was the same age at her at the time. Okay. Um, when I came up with that character and the story just kind of morphed into its own. Like, I wish I could say like I planned it out and it was perfect. And like, I had all of these like ambitions with it, but the truth is that it kind of wrote itself. Well, and I just kind of let it write itself. What? Tell me about this girl. Who is she? Her name is Catherine. And she is a girl that has to go live with her uncle, whom she's never met before, and after her parents died. And upon her arrival, her world is like turned upside down, and she slowly learns the haunting history of who she is and who her parents were. Oh. Is there any connection to you in any way with this character? No, I mean, I wouldn't say so. There are elements of things that she experiences, maybe, or things that I like that she happens to like, but nothing that would, nothing that made it like this is what I would have was going to write about. It was nothing like that affected the writing itself or the story. So maybe her personality is like me, but that's probably as far as it goes. <laughs> Were, were the revelations shocking to her? Yes. Yes. They okay. are very shocking to her because she knows nothing about them. <laughs> when she arrives, she starts being haunted by visions and nightmares about things that she didn't even knew existed within the world. How, where did these visions and nightmares come from? They're connected to her, but that's all I can say. <laughs> Without They're connected room. to her. Yes. But that's all I can say without ruining anything. <laughs> okay, so it's a mystery. Yes. And it involves her parents, any other family members? Um, well, the only family member is that's alive is her uncle. Um, so he knows everything, right? Yes. So I'm trying to figure out how we can add, you know, some... I know you want people to read your book. You obviously, mm -hmm. you don't want to tell everything, but... Give me something that alludes to what we might find in your book. Does she stumble and fall? Does she find herself in a bad situation? Um, well, like all like high schoolers having to move, like, you know, she has to navigate this new school. She has to navigate new people. And that's a really rough start for her. That is not something easy, especially when she realizes that who she is and who she's related to comes with perceived notions about her and her family. So other people like kids she's going to school with maybe know more about her than she does? Yes and no. <laughs> but they they know her her last name. Her last name is a really big weight within this community. A big weight. Um, so what was her family yes. known for something? Yes. They are known for quite a bit. But again, that's something that is very ingrained into that mystery of this novel. And so I don't want to spill too much because some... Can you at least tell me like what kind of thing are they involved in? Is it like the mob or is it they're rich or... Well, her family definitely has or her 
uncle definitely has money. Um, but it more comes down to some like more sinister than that. Like her, like a more sinister history of her family that she knew nothing about until she has to go live in this place with her uncle. Do we wrap this all up in one book? We do actually with a potential sequel, but the main who she is um, and the world she lives in and what she finds out about that world and about her own family history, that major part gets kind of wrapped up okay. within the first book. The sequel will dive into, well, now how does she really live within it now that she's come to terms with it? Are, are you talking about your book? Yes. So when people ask you, what, what are you telling them about your book to get them interested in it? Why should they buy it? Oh, you mean that way. Sorry. I mean, I mention it when some people ask um, right now. I'm just kind of trying to go through, I guess, this next steps. And I'm still trying to figure out where my next step lies um, within it. Uh, I mean, I do have I do have an Instagram the, for for it. Um, that also will eventually be updated with other uh, information about other projects that I'm working on. Um, but as for actually like going out into the community, and so that hasn't really happened yet, but hopefully here locally this October, I'll be able to get the word out. Well, can you um, tell me any, are there any other interesting characters in the book besides your main character? Are there any, is there anyone else you can tell me about? that might be of interest. See, this is why I'm asking you, like if you were to do an author talk, right? Mm -hmm. If you were to go out or you were to go to a library and invite your friends and have them invite their friends and you were to talk about the process of writing this book, the thing that hit you when you got into the shower, how you developed your characters, what would you tell them? What? Why should I read this book? What's, you know, I, it's a mystery that unfolds, but... I don't know what kind of mystery, like I'm just... Well, it would be a romance mystery if you're going to want to classify it a bit more. Um, romance. Yes, we love it's romance. A, it's a romance mystery between, though it starts off very, very, very rocky. Because um, when she's at school, you know, she ends up meeting, you know, this guy named Ryan. Um, and they do not like each other at first. In fact, Ryan is very much anti her and anti her family probably in every way possible but he has his own reasons for that um and they end up having to work together they end up having to um where do they work together, together? at school they end there... up having to work at school together um and stuff they actually get assigned as dance partners because that's a part of the school curriculum there <laughs> the school curriculum is dance tell me they that have you went part to a of school. it one of the one of the things there one of the things at that particular school it's their pe so um, i would love that as pe i would love that so much more than baseball <laughs> hated when they made us play softball i would much rather dance do you actually like do they have dance at your school no, they don't actually, not where I teach. Uh, but at the time when I was writing this, I had friends at my high school, my friends were involved in it. And that's probably where some of that inspiration came from. Well, I, I didn't can, participate. I can see where a dance class could definitely like kind of throw you together. Yeah. Right? Especially when they didn't have a choice in the matter. 
um, and stuff. So that kind of forces them to have to talk to each other and communicate with each other, regardless of him not really wanting anything to do with her. Okay, so she's able to uh, rectify any preconceived notions he might have about her. Not at first, because Ooh. as she's, you know, learning about who she is, and he kind of already knows a little bit about her family, but she doesn't know about it. There's that conflict, that uh, dynamic. And the more you learn about her family, the more you realize why he is, doesn't like her. Um, and so it builds that way. This sounds like a great beach read. I want to take this book to the beach as soon <laughs> as it gets warm. It's not very warm here yet. Right. Where are you? Where are you located? I'm in Texas. So. Oh, so you're, they're going to the beach already down there, right? Uh, maybe farther south. I think the water would be a little bit chilly even for Texans at the moment. Oh, a little chilly. Okay. Is it based in Texas? Is it based? No, it's totally based in a fictional conceived world. I guess if you would have to place it somewhere based on the ar architecture within it or... Um, how I describe the setting, you would probably pay it, base it over in Europe. Europe? Yeah, somewhere over oh, there. Oh, cobblestone <laughs> streets. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Little romantic houses right next to each other. Do they have stoops or no stoops? Well, she lives in a big, huge, like, castle, like, manor. So. Like a castle? She <laughs> yeah. lives in a castle? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, my God. At least that's where her uncle lives, and she ends up having to go live there. Oh, bummer. So. Is it cold in the castle? It doesn't have a lot of light. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, that would leave its, you know, that would make me think depression right there. And stuff. Well, that's her first notion of it when she is pulled up in a private car up to the manor. Is It's, it's huge and big, but it has not been necessarily well kept. <laughs> okay. Does she have like duties she has to perform? Like, does she have to go to private dinner parties or entertain with her uncle's friends or something? No, that's something you realize really quickly about her and her uncle's dynamic is it's not good. <laughs> oh, it's one of those things. She had to go there. She had nowhere else to go. And he was the only family member alive type situation. Is it the dad's brother or the mom's brother? Dad's. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm pulling teeth here, but I want people to read your book. And I want people to know, like, what, is there a lesson? Is there something, a moral to the story? I think it's more about her coming to terms with, okay, this is what it is, and I have to accept it. Like, she has to, she has to learn to, that there's nothing she can do to change what's happened or what her family's done. And she has to learn to, this is part of who I am. And now that I've learned about it and come to terms with it, where do I go from here? And that would be more of like oh, the sequel. Okay. Thing. Okay. So that, that's good. It sounds like she has a very interesting multifaceted life. She does. Um, but it's hard. Like she, it's, it's not like a great, oh, feel good fairy tale type stuff for her, even though there's very picturesque type setting, you know, she's, she has, I guess it's it's a darkness there with her and then trying to navigate this darkness that she ends up finding herself involved in. Okay. What's dancing with time mean? 
Dancing with Time is a play on one because of her dancing and the time has to do is a reference to her figuring out her history. All right, <laughs> Angela, so nice yes. to meet you. So nice to talk to you. Well, thank you for talking with me. I appreciate right. it. You have a great day, okay? You too. Rachel Bryan has written a number of poems and stories over the years, but never finished one until she wrote Ingredients for a Superhero Recipe. So uh, why why is that, do you think? This one, I just woke up in the middle of the night at like 3.30 in the morning, and I started writing it, and I finished it like 5.45, and I was like, what did I just do? And I knew that I had written something I really liked. Do you have children? I do. I was going to say, this looks like, when I'm reading about the book, I was like, oh, this book was written by a grandmother or a mom or someone. <laughs> yes. You know, someone. Yes, I have two little boys, and um, I know it sounds really cliche, but God really gave me this book. Why do you say that? Um, because it was in because the the moral of this book was um, something that really touched for me, and um, showing that everything I need is right inside of me, you know, and I, um, and it was very special to me to write this book for myself and for my kids. How old are your kids? Um, I have a twelve year old and a nine year old, and they're both boys. They're both boys. Oh, uh, I had boys too. Aren't they the best? They are the best. Love my They're boys. Easy. Yeah. Um, so what's the book about? Tell me about the book. Um, the book is about a boy who uh, wakes up and he has this broad idea about um, wanting to be a superhero. And he comes up with all these ingredients that he thinks he's going to be able to find. And he um, goes out on his journey to go find all these ingredients. And it's ridiculous things, you know, three cups of mighty strength, tablespoon of flying potion. And um, he goes out and he wants to go find all these and he goes on his journey and he's left very disappointed because um, at the end of the day, he has not found any of what he needs because it's not things that you can find. And um, when he gets to the end of his day, his grandfather tells him, why are you so blue? Everything you need is right inside of you. And it's, and it's about kindness, you know, um, the best superpower on this planet. And, um, and that being kind is your is your biggest superpower that you have. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a good reminder for as the parent reads it to the child, as the teacher reads it to the student, as a counselor reads it to their client, you know, everybody can take something away from this book. You know, I don't, I don't feel that it's just for the children. I feel like it's for everybody, a good reminder that everything you need is right inside of you. Oh, I love that. When you first read this, it's like, ingredients for a superhero recipe so you think it's something that you eat <laughs> yeah but it's not <laughs> yes no it's not and it's interesting because it's just like each one of us we're out here searching for things outside of ourselves and we will be less disappointed and um because there's everything that you're looking for is not outside of you but rather inside of you right you know i feel like everybody has this want to want to be a superhero and um, at some point in their life, you know, I hit, feel like I hit 80% of the audience with superhero. It's classic. It never dies. Right. It's, um, you know, everybody wants to be a superhero, especially children. You know, you hear superhero and you're like, I want to be a superhero. Right. And it's like, well, what does being a superhero truly mean? Right. What's his list of ingredients? Um, three cups of mighty strength, a tablespoon of flying potion, a large dash of good looks, and a sprinkle of mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's and he's thinking there's something missing. Well, no, he's thinking that's all that he needs. He uh, 
<laughs> you know, and that they're tangible. He thinks they're tangible. And uh, he goes out searching for these and is left disappointed because he doesn't find any of them. You know, because as, he, as he's on this journey, he he doesn't realize that he's coming across all these different things. As he's searching for that, he doesn't realize that he's helping everybody else as he's on his journey looking for all of those things. He comes across, you know, different people, little Sally and who needs a hug and comes across um, his little brother who has a wagon all tumped over and needs help and is crying and comes across two pups that are bickering and his mother who needs help with their dishes and he helps each one of them. So at the end of the book, he realizes he has everything he needs. That's right. Does that mean there's going to be more books? Um, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I've been, um, I haven't really gotten on that yet, but I'm trying to allow it to flow to me easily. Cause just like I said, that one, I had put effort into other books and, uh, they didn't ever have that it factor. They didn't come to me as easily, but this one, this one just came right to me when I wasn't trying for it. And what did your boys, what your boys think? Oh, they're so proud of it. My son comes home from school all the time. Mom, you know, um, we're ready, you know, I'm ready to take your book to school. And, and I have been asked by their schools and several other ones to come and read. And so that's pretty exciting. I have to get to go to the Head Start program here next week. And they have set up a curriculum for the students to, um, they're all going to receive superhero certificates when I show up. And she bought them all capes and, and mask and the book. So that's pretty fun. That is so great. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Look what you've done. I know. It's very exciting. <laughs> I bet you can't wait to read in front of these kids. No, I can't. <laughs> it is very exciting, especially to these kids, you know, especially to the small ones. I don't know. Though. I mean, like I said, even though the target audience, I guess, would be more elementary, I, every student that I've read it to, even up to 17, they sit there and they listen to the whole, whole book from beginning to end. That's great. And... Um, so, yeah, so I know that it's more than just elementary that's interested in right, it. Right, right. And now you got the summer ahead. Good summer reading book, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was invited to a conference in Little Rock that's going to be held about 500 people um, here at the end of April. So that'll be exciting. You were invited? Yeah. Why? Um, I, um, it was a friend that I went to high school with, his wife, wrote me a message and it's every librarian in the state of Arkansas will be there. I mean, this book is just taking you to places you never thought you'd go. That's right. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you wake up with another idea real soon. I know, me too. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm trying not to force it, but I am kind of getting anxious. I'm trying to be patient. <laughs> okay. Listen, thank you so much, Rachel. What a pleasure talking to you. Yes, thank you so much. Do you know how many people I talk to and they get, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I've got to market my book. I, I don't know anything about social media. I don't, you know, I don't have a great personality. I, I'm shy. And, and here you are, you write this book. And the next thing you know, your kid takes it to school. And the next thing you know, you're invited to read it to his class. And now you're going to be in front of several hundred librarians. I mean, it's That's almost right. like, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like if it's meant to be, it really does happen. It really does. And if it's meant, yeah. And you can't stop it. If it is meant for you, it will be for you. Yeah. You know? Nice, Rachel. Nice thought to leave everybody with. Thank you. 
You have a great day. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. We hope to see you back here every Saturday night at 8 o'clock or listen to our podcast anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, just to name a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.